First up, at UFC 266, we have Omar Morales versus Jonathan Pierce. Omar Morales, 11-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five. Jonathan Pierce, 10-4 overall, 4-1 in his last five as well. Omar Morales, he's a good kick boxer. He has really nice kicks. He has solid takedown defense. He's super strong, and he likes to come forward. But what's weird is he doesn't charge forward. He just comes forward. He ends every single combination with a step forward. And before you know it, you're on the other side of the cage or he's holding the center. Um, he walked you down. He didn't even realize it. Uh, he only has one loss in his career, and that was a decision loss to Giga Chikadze, which, you know, after the beating that Giga just put on uh, Barboza, that's not looking like such a bad loss right now. Um, he does not have a ton of takedowns in the UFC, actually three to be exact, but he is at 100% takedown accuracy and 90% takedown defense. Jonathan Pierce, wrestler, he sets a nice pace. Oh my goodness. Sets a nice pace, both on his feet and on the ground. He has decent takedowns. He has good jujitsu. Uh, he took Kai Kamaka down four times in that fight and he did the same in his debut to jacob rosales he strikes first on the ground then he moves to submissions meaning he's looking for a tko he's looking for ground and pound over a submission if a submission's there he'll take it and he has a few but he's really looking to just elbow him in the mouth and get the ref to stop it uh in 14 fights he has only been to a decision twice one win one loss he leaves it all out there and it's obvious when you watch him he's super fun to watch and he's sort of a take-one-to-give-one type striker. If Pierce can stick to a wrestling game plan, like he did with Kai, like he did with Rosales, I think he wins this fight. But uh, Omar Morales has insane takedown defense. We haven't seen him defend a, mil a, you know, a, a ton, but he's defended enough. He's a good striker. I got to go with Omar Morales. What are your thoughts, Jakey? Yeah, Omar Morales is kind of why everyone thought Barbosa would beat Giga because Giga against Omar was pretty tentative. Uh, I think he still outstroke, uh, outstruck Omar like two to one, something like that. And that's why he won the decision. Um, but Giga didn't look like typical Giga in that fight. So I think a lot of people took away from that fight and really thought Barbosa was going to be a lay on Giga. Obviously, it didn't happen. Uh, I predicted that. You know, I think everyone else was on the other side. But yeah, uh, Morales, the thing that gets me is his low volume. So that Giga fight, he was kind of controlling the pace, right? And he had Giga in those positions against the cage. But he still was just kind of low volume. You mentioned he just kind of plots forward, just bloom, bloom. But he really doesn't do anything, that pressure. And Jonathan Pierce, man, is just a good old boy. He's a good old boy from Tennessee. And I am adopting him. He's from Tennessee, but I'm adopting him to the Arkansas Wrestling Club because that's the kind of intensity that he brings on the mat. So we got uh, Bryce Mitchell, TJ Brown, Ryan Hall, and now JSP Jonathan Pierce and the Arkansas Wrestling. Um, listen, Jonathan Pierce, I think, and I made this decision literally 15 minutes before the, um, the podcast started. <laughs> wow, Arkansas, great. Arkansas Wrestling, okay, and... If you look at his uh, record, he's already beaten Omar once. So he's already had, you know, been competition against an Omar and he beat him. And this is the quote that gets me. This is what he said in an interview could lead him to the fight. He said, and I'm going to say it the way he said it. I've never seen a striker out wrestle a wrestler. And I believe it. Lock of the week, JSP, Jonathan Pierce. Where's the S from? 
I don't know, but his nickname is JSP. Uh, <laughs> I know. I just didn't know if in your lock of the week research you knew where the SK from. I think it's from. Samuel. I bet it's Samuel. Yeah, probably Samuel. Right, lock of the week, first fight out. That's it. Our, our viewers are gone. They don't need to watch anymore. I actually have a, a different lock that's like a lock lock. But this one, I just I just love Jonathan Pierce. That that quote got me. I've never seen a striker out wrestle a wrestler. I think he's going to get in there, make it nasty, get the takedowns, and really, and really wear down Omar. So. We've seen striker. Go watch GSP, any GSP fight and tell me if you've ever seen him a striker out wrestle a wrestler. How'd GSP do against Josh Koshtak? Come on with these quotes, Jonathan Pierce. JSP. What do you think about <laughs> So DraftKings value, they're actually both priced really well. Omar Morales, I think Omar Morales wins. There's a lot of upside to him. $8,500, that's not a terrible price point. Um, considering, people. I mean, people are in love with this dude and think he's going to blow through Jonathan Pierce. You're obviously on the other side of it. $7,700, that's a fair price. You'd probably like to get him for a little less, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, and actually I have to redo my lineup because literally he wasn't in my lineup and now he's a lock of the week. So <laughs> I got I to gotta, I gotta find a way to put him in my lineup here. But uh, we'll get him in for sure, and I love that value with all the, all the takedown attempts. Yeah, this is an interesting strike line. I mean, 71 and a half, 84 and a half. Uh, I do think it's, it's a competitive type fight, but... Omar Morales, he's been to two decisions in his entire life. Uh, he's not the the most aggressive person on the planet. I said he he comes forward. He ends his exchanges with a step forward, so he's moving forward, but he's not just throwing wild and loose. And I, don't uh, have I think the, I don't. Sorry, I don't have the stats in front of me. Maybe you do. Um, I think this is for like ten in a row for lock of the week. Uh, you didn't even join the show last week and you still lost a lock of the week because you hopped in the comment section, said Ryan Span's a lock left, and then Ryan Span lost. I so. was I was never in a live chat. Yeah, I bet. Is my is my account compromised? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that what you're yeah. telling me right now? Somebody was impersonating me pickings for Ryan Span. Yeah. Oh my god, there's no way. That's how I know it's not me. Well, Omar Morales, a minus 158 favorite. Jonathan Pierce, a plus 138 underdog. I think it's a pretty competitive fight. I do think Omar Morales gets it done. I think it's it's with a stoppage if he does. Let's put it this way. If we're looking at the monkey knife fight numbers, I mean, if, he, if Omar Morales loses, he's held down the whole time. He's not getting 71 strikes off. If he wins, he's putting Jonathan Pierce out. So I think less, less is the monkey knife I play. What do you think? I completely agree. All right. Well, isn't that just so exciting? I don't have any bets on this at all, but if you do want to grab a bet, we on picks.com slash bets. We have I'll, promos. I'll put my, I already have one person I'm putting the house on. I'm, I'm putting my second house on Jonathan. Okay. Your second house. Fantastic. We on picks.com slash bets. Grab yourself a promo up to $2,500 deposit match. And we on picks.com slash MKF hit the monkey knife fight lines early. I like the less, less here. They move throughout the week. If you're watching, don't be lazy. Hit the line before it moves. Last week, I waited till Saturday morning and um, that didn't work out for me. Hit the early lines before they move. Next up at UFC 266, we have Matt Semmelsberger versus Martin Sano. This is a bizarre fight. I'll break it down in a second. This is sort of a, a weird situation going on here, but Matt Semmelsberger, eight and three overall, four and one in his last five, coming off of a loss. Martin Sano, four and two in his entire career with a draw as well. His last five fights were a draw, a loss, a loss, and two wins. Oh, and it was five years ago. 
This is a uh, favor to Nick Diaz type setup. So Matt Semmelsberger, uh, he marches forward. He's an aggressive striker, solid leg kicks, goes to the body well. Um, the marching forward can get him in trouble at times. If you watch the breakdown of, of Matt Semmelsberger versus Chaos Williams, you know that was something we were worried about is him just marching forward into a big Chaos Williams strike. Um, that marching forward, like I said, could be an issue. In this fight, you know, I don't know if there's going to be many issues here, but um, Santos doesn't possess the power that a Chaos Williams does. So Matt Semmelsberger coming forward shouldn't be that big of an issue. Martin Sano, he's almost a 500 fighter, right? You got to factor in the draw. So he's had seven fights. He has only twice as many wins as losses. Yeah. Well, and a draw. So he has seven fights, a little more than half are actual wins. He hasn't fought in five years. Coming off of a draw and two losses in a row, if he was already in the UFC, they would have cut him. Uh, but he's friends and trains with the Diaz crew. So honestly, getting him on this card, uh, it's similar to when Artem would be on all the Connor cards. Whoa, whoa, no offense whoa. to the greatest of whoa. all time. Do no not offense. put his name in your mouth, sir. <laughs> the god um, we respected on this podcast. In in 2001, the last time that Martin fought, uh, he's a busy guy on his feet. He's pretty good on the ground, uh, but let's be honest, he's he's not a UFC caliber fighter. He's here as a favor. Uh, I'm picking and betting against that the entire way. Unfortunately, the odds makers are onto it too. Uh, these are pretty wide odds here. They know that, so I'm probably going to wait for uh, I don't know, wait for a prop that makes some sense. But uh, I mean, Matt Semmelsberger is a pretty obvious pick here. I mean, anything could happen, right? Martin Sano hasn't fought in five years. He might have just been changed his whole life, and he's an absolute killer in that gym right now. I doubt it. Semmelsberger's the pick. Semmelsberger will probably be in my DraftKings lineup. Um, you know, but Martin is tough, so I don't think it'll be a two-second stoppage, but who the hell knows, man? Five years, hasn't won a fight in a very, very long time. Jakey Poo, what do you think? Uh, yeah, Semmelsberger's going to win, but the only thing that I'm going to uh, take – uh, notice in this fight is you mentioned the, the long layoff by Sano and he is with the Diaz camp. If he comes out and looks decently sharp because he wasn't really that great to begin with, but if he comes out after the long layoff and looks decently sharp, that kind of tells me that Nick Diaz is going to be ready. If, if he's got this long layoff and Nick Diaz has a long layoff and they're both in the same camp and he's coming out looking sharp, you got to imagine that Nate's getting the right training and he's going to be looking sharp as well. So if Martin comes out and looks good, with that that uh, that betting line for Nick Diaz, I might throw some money at Nick Diaz, just assuming that he's going to come out and look sharp as well. So, with that said, Matt's going to win this fight. Yeah, there's a couple Diaz crew on this card, and honestly, uh, it has to be Nick Diaz saying, "I'll only fight if you do X." And good for him for taking care of his people. Uh, he's putting them in harm's way, but it is what it is. the uh, The odds are accurate. DraftKings pricing that's also accurate. I, I will probably spend the ninety four hundred dollars on Matt Semmelsberger, probably. Uh, monkey knife fight, you know, that's an interesting one because, you know, Martin Sano, he's going to be way outclassed here, but let's assume he's a tough guy, right? Like if I'm looking at his losses, I mean, a decision and a KO in round one. So, you know, I, I it, 42 is just such a low line, which makes that hard. I, I, if I have to play this line, I'm going to go less, less. I mean, Matt Samuelsberg is going to come charging forward, throw a bunch of crap. Martin Sano hasn't fought in five years. I imagine that doesn't go well for him. What do you think about those lines? I completely agree. Okay. Is that how this is going to 
So that's you know what I mean? Okay, I'll disagree. Listen, I think Martin Santone comes out and looks great. I think his chin holds up. I think this 100 100 strikes, I'll go more and more. But another trash pick from Jacob. Unbelievable. Get it together, dude. This people like rely on us for solid advice. You'll see. That's my most confident pick, too. (laughs) Um, so yeah, this should be uh I don't know. It should be fun. (laughs) I like Matt Semmelsberger. I'm glad that he's gonna be put back on track. So we'll see what happens. I'll watch it. A prop bet's the only way to go. I'm not spending minus 400 on anybody unless it's Amanda Nunes. Next up at UFC 266, we have Uros Medic versus Jalen Turner. Uros Medic 7-0 overall, so he's obviously 5-0 in his last five. I have the wrong record there, so don't mind that. He's 7-0 overall. He's undefeated. That 8-3 is wrong. Jalen Turner 10-5. Overall, that four and two on the screen is also wrong. Ten and five overall. He is three and two in his last five. Uh, this is an interesting matchup because the odds makers essentially have it as a pick 'em. The line has moved. Um, the line has moved throughout the week, but it's essentially a pick 'em. Earl's medic has legit power, legit striking technique. He comes out fast. He can be a bit wild, um, and it's hard to really break him down in detail because. He has a 100% finish rate. He's only has seven fights. He's only seen the second round one time in seven fights, and it was less than a minute. Like, I honestly don't know uh, how he's going to handle any adversity. If he gets in trouble, I don't know how he calls his way out. We don't know how tough he is. It's, it's impossible to tell, right? There's just not enough information there. But the reality is he's a very good striker. He's got legit power. He comes forward. Um, he's fast, and he has real killer instinct if he feels like he has you rocked and if he feels like there's blood in the water he will go for it and if you watch the last time i broke him down i was way off i was trashing his record i was talking about he's, he's in alaska how good could the alaskan competition be and just really you know, hammered that home yeah, and, and do you remember who who um who was kind of right about him do you remember? nick newell nick newell was i have the quote right in front of me nick newell said he looks like an unathletic dork but he has power and solid striking. Honestly, pretty similar to, to Sean O'Malley type situation. So, you have any other quotes on there? Because I, I that that's basically I was spot it. On the doctor, I was spot on the doctor. That's basically it. Jalen Turner, uh, good boxer who somehow manages to come forward and keep the fight at range. He's stupid tall. He's six three, so he's normally towering over his opponents. But Earl's medic is six one, so he's not a short guy himself. Um, uh, he's coming off a nice submission win, but it's been a year. He hasn't fought in a full year. He's pretty well-rounded. Honestly, I think Jalen's the more technical striker and the more well-rounded fighter, but I just think medics pressure and kicks will probably sort of discredit the superior technique. And I think Earl's medic gets it done. And this, this is basically a pick I know the money has moved quite a bit. And honestly, if you like Jalen at plus money, Grab it, because I do think this is a close fight. What do you think? No, sorry, not a close fight. I think it's sort of a, a toss-up fight because we haven't seen Uros in trouble. We don't know how he deals with adversity. And if Jalen comes out there, puts it on him, keeps it at range, uses that length, we don't know how Uros is going to react. There's, there's, so what do you a, think? there's a reason why Uros has never been in trouble because he's never been in trouble. He's like one of the most dominant fighters I've ever seen. It's a short career. Like you said, he's been out of the he's never been out of the first round only like once in his career. And last time, just storms across the cage and finishes the fight. That's what the doctor does. I mentioned earlier in the card that I put my house on someone on this card. Euros Medic 
at a pick em money is he should be a two or three to one favorite easy in this matchup. Jalen Turner has the length, but there's nowhere in this fight that, that medic is going to go where he's going to lose this fight. He's going to come across. He's going to dominate. I feel bad for Jalen that he has to take this beating euros medic. The doctor <laughs> was going to be my lock, lock, lock of the week before I found Arkansas boy. Um, the doctor gets it done and gets it done in, in unbelievable fashion. This is a this is a, a robbery that I'm about to do with these casinos. Robbery, getting them at minus one ten. It's already moving. He's going to be a minus two fifty by the time the fight starts. Once it, it is moving. Film, I'm not done. Once people start watching film on this guy, those odds are going to go crazy. The whales are going to coming in. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I think uh, you know there's just not enough medic out there to know how he's going to deal with adversity. I get what you're saying. He's my pick. I flipped. He was not my pick last time. I've learned my lesson. I discounted Alaskan MMA. I no longer will trash Alaska MMA. But, you know, uh, Jalen Turner's legit. Jalen Turner has a ton of experience. I'll update this graphic. <laughs> Jalen Turner has a ton of experience. You know, it, it's, it's definitely a closer fight. I, I agree with the odds here, honestly. Uh, what is funny is I think whoever wins, and there's a few fights on this card where I think it's close to a pick em, and then whoever wins – it's gonna look like a you know minus five hundred favorite. You know what I mean? Like I think it's well, yeah, it's gonna be yeah. You're 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 trying to elude so you can put that in the recap. Oh look, I said he probably was gonna look like a listen. I have this is my guy. Euros is my new guy. I have Pat Sabatini at one forty five, who I think is gonna be uh, either a future champion or really compete for a champion. I really think that the doctor will be the one fifty five champion or real close to it uh, in about five years, within five years. Well. We'll see what happens. DraftKings, $8,400. I think he is a good price at $8,400. I mean, if if his trajectory continues, he's going to score well over 100 points, and that's very affordable for a guy that's probably pretty live for a knockout. And if you're playing Monkey Knife Fight, I wouldn't even mess with the line. Less Less is probably the play, honestly. that's Actually, Less Less is probably a solid play, but don't even mess with the line. Just throw Uros in Knockout Kings. And if you don't know Knockout Kings, any three fighters, if one of them gets a knockout, you get a 25% return some profit if two of them you get two and a half three of them you get six so we want picks.com slash mkf they're both pretty affordable so if you're that confident in euros we want picks.com slash bets grab yourself a deposit match up to twenty five hundred dollars throw it on the euros medic uh medic money line next up at ufc 266 we have carl robertson versus nick maximov Nick Maximov, 6-0 overall, so obviously 5-0 in his last five. Carl Robertson, baby K. Robertson, 9-4, only 2-3 in his last five, coming off of two losses in a row. Nick Maximov, very solid BJJ, guys. Um, Nick Maximov, a very solid BJJ guy who knows what he's good at, and he sticks to it. His striking is pretty raw. Um, his takedowns are okay. This is his first official UFC fight after a win last year at heavyweight. So this is a middleweight fight. His win last year on the Contender Series was at heavyweight. He's undefeated, but it's a very hollow record. If you dig into that record, he did not fight a single person with a winning record until the Contender Series fight. So he had five fights. Not one of them had a winning record, and two of them didn't even have a win at all. Um, but he did win that contender series fight against a guy two weight classes above him. So he earned his spot. Um, the problem is I can't look at his record and say, oh, he's six and oh, this could be the start of a 20 and 0 run because I mean, five of those wins were just 
absolute nonsense. Carl Robertson, he's a well-rounded guy, solid striking, a few sneaky submissions in his back pocket. Uh, the problem for him seems to be that the UFC uses him to get people nice wins or back on track. They threw him with they threw him in there with Glover, 2019, Martin Vittori last year, Brendan Allen this year. Uh, but at the end of the day, he does have solid skills, legit UFC experience. Um, I honestly think the UFC set this up to be a gift for Maximov to try to give him a nice win, keep that streak going. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen. We watched Carl beat Wellington Terman, trains with Clover. Dan trained with Wellington a couple weeks ago, a month ago. And Wellington Kerman, Terman took him down four times. He's a better grappler than Maximov is. And he couldn't put Carl Robertson away. He couldn't beat Carl Robertson. So I think Robertson, although if you look at his losses, there's a bunch of, all, all four of his losses are submissions. And he's fighting a jiu-jitsu guy. But you cannot make your picks just looking at topology and looking at records and making a decision from there. Because the reality is, you know, every one of those submissions had a little a little asterisk next to it, a little caveat. Wellington Terman's not putting them away. I don't think Nick with six fights Maximov is putting Carl Robinson away. He is my pick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is another one of those uh, Nick Diaz guys. And actually, he's nicknamed like the prodigy of the Diaz camp. So he's supposed to be like the, the next big thing. Um, and But I, uh, I I think there was a mistake putting him against Carl Robinson as well because you mentioned he's a uh, he's a, a grappler. He's got takedowns, but some of his takedowns I saw were him just like double arms out, just kind of like running after people's legs and stuff. And the Nick Diaz camp isn't really a, a wrestling camp. You see, no. they're all jujitsu guys. They're very good at that. But if you ever watch, um, especially Nate, especially, he's unbelievable on the ground, but he's never going to get the fight to the ground if he doesn't want it um, or if he, he wants to get to the ground. So, you know, the, the grappling is going to be an interesting factor in this. If Carl Robinson can keep his back off the mat, he'll win this fight. But if he finds his back on the mat, um, I think he's in real, real trouble. So it really is. I agree with the odds. I think it's a, a coin toss whether that happens or not because Carl Robinson has decent takedown defense. But I'm going to steal a line from Dan, what Dan always says. This Nick guy, uh, he's 23 years old, and those guys tend to learn fast. So, you know, if he's starting to pick up the wrestling to, go, to match with the jiu-jitsu, um, he could surprise us here and come out and look really, really sharp. So I'm staying away from this completely. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I kind of think I would like to see Nick win, you know, the young new prodigy coming up. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Carl just kind of stuffs some takedowns and really pieces him up. Yeah, and I completely agree with staying away from it. So we're a pick show. We got to do picks. I pick Carl Robertson, you know, I, the, mostly because Nick is so inexperienced and and if it was 6 and 0 and it was against decent competition or at least competition all right there's there's something to work with there right five of those fights were losing records or no wins whatsoever he only had one win he did not look good granted it was at heavyweight so there's not much to go off of so i agree i'm not spending any of this money in draftkings because there's too many question marks i if i do the monkey knife fight honestly I might go less, less because I think Carl Robertson either overwhelms Nick because he's just so inexperienced and he's new and he hasn't had any real adversity or Nick submits Carl Robertson. And either way, I think it'll be less, less, right? Maybe more for Carl, less for Maximov. If you think Carl's going to beat him for three rounds, but you know, I'm not going to bet it either. And, and every week I have been up on bets it's been like two months I haven't lost. And it's because I pick my shots. I don't force anything. There's nothing to do here. There's too many unknowns. There's not enough experience to really base any solid infrastructure pick on it. So 
I'm going to stay away from this. I might do some monkey knife fight. I think I like the less, less there. Like I said, either a pretty quick submission from Nick, if you can get it to the ground, or Carl is just going to overwhelm, and, and you'll see what that inexperience does. No, I was going to say, I love that 84 and a half line for, for Nick because I think it's definitely less on that one. He's not a striker. And even when he gets to the ground, he's a jiu-jitsu guy. Now, Carl, the, the Carl one, I will say, with Nick not being a wrestler, but he's going to try for takedowns, there's going to be the, there could be those positions where he's just kind of riding his hip against the cage and Carl's just pop, 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 pop on the side of his head and those add up quick. So that's the only thing that would scare me with the less, less. 56 is a low number. 56 is a low number. So let's put it this way. If you think... It goes to a decision. I would do more Robertson, less on Maximov. And if you think there's a stoppage, then just less on both is how I would break that down. But you don't have to play everything. Restraint is key. Restraint. Next up at UFC 266, we have Manon Faro versus Mayra Bueno Silva. Manon Faro, 7-1 overall, 5-0 in her last five. And I've ridden the Manon train a few times. I've picked her twice. She's won both times. Uh, Myra Bueno Silva, 7-1-1 one, and one overall, coming off of that draw to Montana De La Rosa. Um, then a win, a loss, and two wins before that. This is an interesting matchup, honestly. I'm 2-0 and oh picking Manon. I grabbed her last two. She beat the first ever lock of the week. So Jacob was off to a horrific start with the lock of the week. Manifero, the lock of the week broke her arm in, in like 10 seconds in the first You round. mean you mean Manifero broke the lock no, of the week? I arm. think she snapped yeah. her own arm to try and make her the own fight arm. fair. She broke her own arm punching to, air. To, no, to try and make the fight fair. Okay. <laughs> uh, she beat the very first lock of the week, Victoria Leonardo, last year. Uh, lots of experience, even with her short record. She's a nasty striker, killer instinct. Tons of finishing power. Even when she gets taken down, she has the fight IQ. She has the scramble abilities. She works up immediately. This is a big step up of competition for her, honestly. Um, she likes to fight at range. She likes to pick her shots. So I, I do like uh, Manon quite a bit. Myra Brenda Silva. She's also a pretty good striker. She has solid power, good kicks. She likes charging forward uh, and throwing from there. She also has a, she has some grappling in her back pocket. I wouldn't say she's a good grappler. But she's a grappler. She can make that happen. Uh, I imagine what's going to happen here is she's going to get picked apart in her feet. Then she's going to look to grapple. She doesn't have great takedowns. Manifero pops right back up. I think these odds are spot on. I think DraftKings is spot on. Um, I think Monkey and Fight, that's a really hard line. The only risk here is that Mayra can hold down Manon. Nobody else has been able to. I don't think she'll be able to. But, but that's the risk. Manon's the pick. Uh, I like her quite a bit in this matchup. What do you think? And are you still holding a grudge? Uh, yeah. So actually, there's another layer to the story because Manon, I did pick against her in her first fight, made it lock of the week. Um, and then she was originally supposed to fight um, Marina Moroz. Um, and I made Marina Moroz my lock of the week against Manon again. But then that fight got dropped. So now it would make sense to make Mara, you know, kind of a triple backup lock of the week in this fight. But I'll tell you what, Manon got my respect in that last fight. Not only the first fight against Victoria Leonardo, but her last fight, the short notice fight. I mean, just she is just an absolute monster, man. She's got that killer mentality, and she has real, real power. Power. There's not a lot of flyweights with some real, real power. She has finishing power and finishing abilities. 
So at the on the feet, Bueno Silva's got no shot. I think she's got to grapple. I don't know if she's going to be able to get the takedowns. You mentioned I think she's a better grappler than you give her credit for. She's mentioned that she's a, even a better grappler at 125. Um, I just don't know if she's going to be able to get the takedowns because Manon is just so ferocious that sometimes you just when you're on your back foot, you know, Angelo, me and you wrestling, it's hard. It's hard to get takedowns off your back foot. You know, you want to be going forward. So I don't know if she's going to be able to get him, but if she gets him, she could win this fight. So that's the only wild card here. Um, if you think she's going to get those takedowns, that's incredible value at seventy hundred dollars because she's just going to ride and control her. Um, but if you think that Manon is is really going to be, you know, the aggressive fighter she has been, um, that's also good value ninety one hundred dollars. So it's just kind of whatever you feel in this fight. But um, I think Manon was probably going to win. Yeah, and I I completely agree with that. I mean, and let me, and let me look, hold on. I forgot one more point. Sorry. Uh, bueno Silver actually fought Marina Moroz, who I had picked against Manon. I haven't watched that fight, but I, I, get, I think it was an absolute war. It was a decision loss um, to Moroz. So I'm going to watch that fight and then decide on Bueno Silva. Yeah, I mean, she, she's – The grappling is the Ukrainian boxing. Remember Ukrainian boxing? We remember that. Yeah, no, we do. Yeah. The um, uh, the grappling could be an issue, but Manon, she pops right back up. She has solid fight IQ. She hits the mat. She knows exactly what she's supposed to do. She's not going to play around and guard, look for something, try – no sweep. She's just working right back to her feet. She knows exactly what she needs to do. So uh, I like the fight IQ. I like the the power, the striking ability, the footwork, the volume, all of it. Man and Froze, definitely the pick. DraftKings, I don't know. There's a lot of 9,000-type fighters that I think are worth it. She's probably worth it, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to spend that. The betting odds, honestly... I hope if if Manon was like a minus one ninety, I'd hit that. So I'll see if that line moves and maybe I'll touch it. And what do you think of the the monkey knife fight line? It, this is a, this is a tricky line. Probably less less. Probably, but but one of some was so tough. Like I said, she and that's the problem. She fought, she fought Morose, who's I, I kind of off topic, but she was a the coach of the Ukrainian women's national boxing team. Um, and then in a decision. So she's tough. I don't think she, she might not get put away. So those could add up quick. Yeah. I mean, it's, it might be more, and more than because I, this is, this is a hard line. This is a hard line. And we'll break down this line, uh, with Chris Riley tomorrow. Chris sets these monkey knife fight lines. He's kind enough to offer his time to talk about his lines, how he got there, why he got there. We'll talk about this one tomorrow because I'm very curious about this one. This is, this is a hard line. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see you guys. Let me know what you're going to do in the comments. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. You will get a free $100 deposit match. And if you want to play some bets, WeWantPicks.com slash bets. We have a 100% deposit match, a 125% deposit match. Options for everybody. Next up at UFC 266, we have Taylor Santos versus Roxanne Mataferi. Roxanne Mataferi, the women's smiling Sam Alvey. 25 and 18, alternating wins and losses so i already know jacob's pick she's two and three in her last five coming off of a loss tyler santos 17 and one coming off of two wins roxanne monteferi at this point she's a legend i mentioned she's very similar to smile and sam alvey and that's because you know without the 14 fight she actually wins yeah i was gonna say seriously yeah, without without the 14 fight losing streak she shows up she's happy she's nice she's smiling and she's just ready to go Ready to go. She is not athletic at all. She's at the, all. Real, the, the, she, just a quick story. She was uh, who'd she fight that blew out her knee 
And instead of making the other girl stand up, she went to the ground because she felt bad. She like literally went to the ground so the girl could grapple because she felt bad that the girl blew her knee out. Wasn't that Casey Barber? Uh, I can't remember. I'm trying to look. Let me look on the record. Yeah, Macy yeah. Barber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Macy Barber. Yeah. Yep. Because um, her dad, Macy Barber's dad, like lost his mind, screaming, yelling, like saying bad things on the internet about Roxanne, who's like the nicest person <laughs> in the world. So she's not athletic at all, but she is super tough and she has incredible fight IQ. She makes up for physical abilities with just an understanding of the sport and what she should do and where she should be and, and uh, how she should handle certain situations. Skill-wise, honestly, her striking's awkward. Uh, and she really used it just to set up clinch work and takedowns. She's much better at jujitsu than she is at striking. And her path to victory in every fight is always to slow down her opponent, take away any athletic abilities that they may have, and then grind out a win, whether it's against the cage or on the ground. She has like she's not a stoppage threat at all. She's not finishing anybody, but she's also impossible to finish, which makes all of her fights very interesting. Uh, Taylor Santos is the opposite side of that spectrum. She's ridiculously athletic. She has a ton of stoppages. Her boxing is fantastic. Her grappling is also really good. And from what we've seen, Taylor has solid fight IQ, not Roxanne level, but we have seen Taylor make correct decisions um, in fights. If you look at her fight against Molly McCann, she took her down five times. She was hyper aware of Molly McCann striking, completely changed her game plan, I mean, I'm probably the game plan going into it, but changed her natural I'm a striker style and went in there, took her down five times. I highly doubt she will be losing a striking exchange and need to take this to the ground. But the point of that, it just shows that she can make adjustments. It shows that she can win anywhere. It shows that she is smart enough to understand strengths and weaknesses in these fights. She's better than Roxanne absolutely everywhere. I think she cruises to a decision uh, she's minus 400 now, so I'm going to wait for a prop bet or something because I'm not. I'm never going to spend minus 400, but she's as good of a lock as you can get. And honestly, the prop bet to grab, I don't even know the odds. I don't know if it's out yet. The prop bet to grab here is Taylor Santos by decision because Roxanne's impossible to finish. What do you think? Oh, by decision. For some reason, I thought I, when you said that, I was like, that kind of, you contradict yourself, but you were right. I was wrong. Yeah, you mentioned the pattern. Let's go over the pattern real quick. <laughs> that's why you laugh because that's what you that's have. That's, all, that's what I have in mean, Roxanne. Does. So, go, dating back to 2014, we're talking about Roxanne. We have win, win, loss, win, win, loss, win, win, loss. Then it goes win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And honestly, no kidding aside, this just feels like one of those fights that Roxanne should, is going to win. She shouldn't win it. They set her up against another prospect, and it just feels like for some reason she's going to win. I don't see a lot of killer instinct in Santos. Honestly, I think that I think there's a, I think there's a time where this finds uh, the fight finds its way to the ground, and there's a weird scramble. And I think I'm going to put a wild, weird bet on Roxanne by submission. That's my big call of the week. Uh, it just feels like this is one of those fights where Roxanne just going to find a way to win. I odds on that. Huh? You'll get insane odds on Roxanne by submission. I'm just saying. This is just, it just feels like it. she shouldn't win. I wouldn't bet on her, but I'm taking a little flyer here and, and, and following the pattern. You got to follow the numbers. Well, and, and uh, Jester hit up the comments saying, what do you think about Roxanne plus three and a half? If you don't know what the plus three and a half bet is, you basically buy three and a half 
points on the judge's scorecard. So all that means is if it goes to a decision, as long as Roxanne wins one round, she can lose two rounds, lose the decision, but as long as she wins one round, you have then purchased three and a half more points on top of that, and you win your bet, you cash your bet. It is a great bet for situations like this where you have a pretty big underdog who you think can win a single round. The problem is, I don't know if Roxanne can win a single round. It, that is literally, that bet is perfect for these type situations, plus 300. So if you do the plus three and a half points, you'll probably get plus 200, plus 150, something like that. She doesn't get finished. I just, I don't know if she can win a round. Roxanne but, by submission, plus 1,200. I mean, I, I might grab the plus three and a half. That, that's a hard one. Anyway, the only place you are going to find that prop bet, and I'm telling you right now, it is one of the most fun prop bets. That's plus 200, that prop bet. Yeah, so okay, plus 200. The only place you're going to find that prop bet is if you go to wheelandpicks.com slash bets. Shut up. That's win inside the distance decision. No, actually, I don't have the plus three and a half yet. Sorry. Um, That's another bet. We'll talk about that. Anyway, wheelandpicks.com slash bets. We have three different options. Click on the bet online one. They have the best prop bets. The other prop bet that might work for this fight is wins inside the distance, decision, no action. All that means is if Roxanne Monteferi stops, damn it, I'm going to do that bet. That's a fantastic bet. That's if Roxanne Monteferi, though, you don't think Roxanne's going to stop her. You did that for Santos because Santos could lose a decision to Roxanne, Roxanne just being nastier than her. But, but Roxanne, all right, so. Plus 200 for Roxanne Monteferi wins inside the distance. Decision no action means if Roxanne Monteferi somehow stops Taylor Santos, you get paid. If she loses a decision, which is how she will lose if she loses, you get a full refund. A full refund. No skin off your back. You didn't lose any money. The bet's a push. That's a solid bet. I like that quite a bit. Next up, at UFC 266, we have Chris Dawkins versus Shamil Abdu Rakhimov. I nailed that. Chris Dawkins, 11 and 3 overall, riding a four fight win streak. Shamil, 20 and 5, 3 and 2 in his last five. This fight has been booked three times, I think, or this is the third time since July. It is a battle of the heavyweight strikers. They tried to do it in July. We're finally going to get it in September. Shamil is a solid boxer with good counter strikes and decent wrestling. Uh, I actually think he's somewhat of an accomplished wrestler, I think, like, technically speaking. But we he's not been very effective in the UFC with his wrestling. He took down Derek Lewis four times and was still knocked out. He only has three takedowns outside of that fight. Um, and he's somewhat of a brawler. He can make it a firefight. It definitely has more power than Dawkins does. I mean, Dawkins has a ton of knockouts, and he does that really well. But a lot of that, I feel like, is speed and angles, where Shamil has just more raw power. Um, but he's not as clean of a striker as Dawkins is. We haven't seen him fight in two years. And two years ago, in his last fight, he was knocked out by Curtis Blades, and he's now 40 years old. Chris Dawkins. Very good striker, solid boxing, very fast for the heavyweight division. He ties in his combinations well. Uh, he should definitely be the more technical fighter here, but he definitely needs to avoid the big shots from Shamil. Even if Shamil comes with a grapple-heavy game plan, Dawkins is a black belt on the ground, but we've never seen him taken down. We've never seen him taken down. I haven't seen him on his back. Zero takedowns in the UFC. So there's question marks there. We don't know what that means. We don't know what he's going to look like when he's on the mat. We have no idea what that, you know, 
what's going to happen in that situation. He may get taken down and be there for 15 minutes, and that's it. He may pop right back up. We just haven't seen it. His takedown defense has held up really well. But I don't think this fight's going to end up on the mat. I think Chris comes forward, uses technical striking, uh, puts on a pace, and, and honestly should put Shamil out. Uh, I think Chris Dawkins wins this. I love Chris Dawkins at $8,800 for DraftKings. And at the one-and-a-half round line, that's a hard line. I, I mean, probably the over, honestly, but th that's a hard round line. But I, I do like Dawkins quite a bit in this fight. What do you think? Yeah, I think Chris Dawkins, honestly, is a real deal prodigy in the heavyweight division. And I think the UFC knows it. And I think this is a, a lamb to slaughter um, in this situation with Shamil. Um, the only thing that would worry me would be if Shamil was like a, a big heavyweight with a, with a really, really good gas tank and wrestling on top of it. Because we've never really seen Chris um, in late in fights. He's got a ton and ton, a ton of first round finishes because he is that good. So that's the only kind of real question mark is how is his gas tank lately um, if he has to go there. But Shamil, the reason he lost that Derek Lewis fight, he ended up on his back against Derek Lewis. I think Derek Lewis even like kind of halfway took him down because he, he did. Yeah, he got take down that fight. Um, so he didn't have a gas tank either. Um, he's not uh, an incredible striker. I think Chris is the real deal. I think Chris is going to be in my lineup, and this is like the, the quadruple lock of the week, knockout kings, whatever you got to do. I'll put a bet on Chris to, to finish this fight. Um, I think he's a real deal, and I think this was set up for him to win. Yeah, and and uh, I, I agree. I mean, listen, Shamil, like I said, I think he is like an accomplished wrestler. I think like if you if you do your research, wrestling will come up over and over, but the reality is he doesn't use it in his fights. And when he did use it, he still lost. So he's not like this dominant wrestler that can just impose his will. He's not Curtis Blades. And we watched him get knocked out by Curtis Blades, stopped by Curtis Blades. So, you know, I, I think this is a pretty straightforward win for Chris Dawkins. Minus 190, honestly, those are not bad odds. They're really not. So uh, I think a money line bet is probably a solid bet here. I love him in DraftKings. And Chris Dawkins wins inside a distance. You'll get even better than minus 190. And that's the most likely outcome in this situation. So I, I like that there too. So you'll probably see in the betting breakdown a couple of Chris Dawkins bets here. Um, what do you think? You agree with all of that? Yeah, you can get Chris Dawkins. This is how, I mean, even these guys believe it. I'm going to link a little bit more than DraftKings because by KOTKO is plus 120. So, I mean, that's still almost um, even money on that. So yeah, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And, and what I'll tell you right now is – so I, I've managed fighters for 15 years. One of the fighters that I've managed for a very long time. So here, here you go, real quick before I forget. The, the line has actually moved to 210 um, for Chris Dawkins, but you can get yeah. him inside the distance decision no action for 170, which kind of covers you a little bit. Potentially, yeah. I'll have to dig in a little deeper, but uh, definitely a Chris Dawkins play. I've managed fighters for a while. Parker Porter is a fighter that I used to manage. Uh, we just did an interview with him, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago for his fight. He fought Chris Dawkins on short notice, made his UFC debut, and we talked about it. We talked about the Chris Dawkins fight. And honestly, Parker was pretty candid. What I took away from that fight is the way you beat Chris Dawkins is you light up his legs. Parker Porter landed a solid leg kick, only one. And he was I, I saying don't know if that I've seen Shamil ever throw a leg kick. I, he, he hasn't, and that's where I'm going with this. But just the story, and then that, where when um, the referee was holding Parker's hand and Chris Dawkins's hand, Bruce Buffer was standing behind them with the card and saw Dawkins's leg all bright red. Made a comment to Parker like, "Look what you did," and Dawkins looked over and nodded like, "Yeah." So that was one leg kick. So if Shamil 
factored that in, somehow works leg kicks into his game. Maybe there's a potential hole there, but so far, Chris Dawkins has looked like an animal. I don't see this one going any different. Looks like, as you mentioned, the line is moving. People are onto it. Uh, I would definitely grab a bet after we're filming. I will probably grab a few of those before the line moves too much. Weonpicks.com slash bets to get your promo. Monkey knife fight line. My gut says less, less, but 32 strikes is nothing. What do you think? Yeah, I no comment. Yeah, that, that's honestly, that is a hard monkey knife fight line. It, it really is. Probably less, less, but that's a monkey knife fight line. Monkey knife fight lines are out right now. As you're watching this, have us up in one window, play monkey knife fight in the other window before these lines move because they do move when the money comes in. Next up at UFC 266, we have Dan Hooker versus Nag Nazrat Haparast. And you know this is a good card when this is on the prelims. This is a good fight. Dan Hooker, 20 and 10 overall, riding a two-fight loss streak. Nazrat, 13 and 3 overall, coming off of two wins. This should be an absolute awesome fight with two big-time strikers. Dan Hooker is a very good striker with an enormous amount of heart. We watched him in the fight of the century against Paul Felder and then just do that all over again with Dustin Poirier. Unfortunately, he took a ton of damage in those fights. Um, and then he was put out against Michael Chandler in Michael Chandler's debut. Dan Hooker is definitely the more technical fighter in this matchup. At least I think he has more technical striking uh, against Nasrat. Uh, but I think he peaked, honestly. I think he needs more time off. That fight against Felder was a war. That fight against uh, Dustin Poirier, a war. Michael Chandler put his lights out. And here he is again against a striker with an insane amount of power. And, and I don't, how long has it been? Six, seven months, something like that. He needs, to, honestly, he needs to heal. He needs to heal. His path to victory here is to make this as ugly and dirty as possible. If he has a war or turns this into a war with Nazrat like he did with Poirier, like he did with Felder, I think he crumbles Nazrat. I don't think Nazrat has that same level of heart that we saw from Felder, that we saw from Dustin Poirier. That is his path. Unfortunately for him, his path to victory is to make it a grueling war and take even more damage in this fight. Nazrat, a very good striker coming off of a, of a win over a short-notice opponent um, over Hoffa Garcia. He has very good takedown defense, and even if he gets taken down, he pops right back up to his feet. Um, if you go back to the Alex Munoz fight, he defended eight takedowns. Eight, and Alex Munoz is a nasty wrestler. He's a freaking wrestling coach at uh, Team Alpha Male. I love Nazrat in this fight. I like really love him. I already put a money line bet on this, plus money. You know, Dan Hooker, man, Dan Hooker's very good. I think Dan Hooker peaked. I think Dan Hooker's taken way too much damage, and he needs to take like a year off. What are your thoughts? Yeah, they both had um, kind of weird flash knockouts. The difference is Nazrat was just kind of that that weird jet, that, that straight by Drew Dober, whatever. It was, it was very weird that he got knocked out that way. And honestly, I didn't trust his chin after that. I think I picked against him his last two fights, but his chin has held up. You mentioned the Alex Munoz. We just saw Alex Munoz throwing bombs. We know how hard he can hit. Hafa Garcia is the exact same thing, throws bombs. So he's proven that his chin has, has withstood um, damage after his flash knockout. 
Dan Hooker, on the other hand, you mentioned six months ago, he just got knocked out by Michael Chandler after those absolute wars. I agree with you. I think this is a, a battle of whose chin holds up. And at this point, I would trust Nazareth's more. We also got to mention, too, we don't know where Dan Hooker's at. We don't know where he's at. He's not supposed to arrive in the States until we don't know. He's had to do like Thursday. Huh? Thursday is when he arrives for his fight. That, listen, he's flying from the other side of the world. He's not flying from England. England's not that bad. He's flying from Australia or New Zealand, whatever the hell. Whatever it is. It's, 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 it's like, it is that. It is I, I, a, I, I, me, and the, me and the family go there once every six weeks. I'll tell you that first, even, yeah. even in first class, it's rough. That's a long flight. So um, I, you, we don't know when he's going to arrive, how he's going to look when he arrives. He's even been dealing with this visa issue for like the last few weeks. So how much is he, he was tweeting? Training? Wasn't he tweeting the president? Yeah, he literally said like everyone needs a tweet, and then he said like the squeaky wheel get, or the squeaky uh, wheel gets a grease, you know. So you know, I, I like Dan Hooker as a, a, a as a as a as a person as a fighter. I think it's going to be a fun fight. I just can't trust his chin at this point. Um, and Nazrat's been able to hold up, and uh, Nazrat's got the power, and I think he's a, just as technical. So I, I actually think there's great value at seventy five hundred dollars at plus one thirty five, and I agree, agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. He's uh, probably going to make his way in my lineup. Yeah, I already did. Uh, I already did the money line bet. That's already been placed. Honestly, best case scenario for everybody involved here would be Dan Hooker does not get his visa. He has to rest. He forces his well, body to rest. Got it. Oh well, that's why he said then, he got it like two days ago. Yeah, I know he gets. He comes in on Thursday, but until he's here, he's not here. Right. Best case scenario, something happens. Nasrat gets a last minute opponent, knocks that dude out, and Dan Hooker can rest. I like Dan. I want Dan to have a longer career than he's going to have. And, and maybe I'm way wrong and I'm going to get nasty comments on Sunday morning after Dan Hooker wins by knockout. I just, listen, man, I've been around this sport a very long time at, you know, managing fighters. I have seen my fighters have phenomenal chins, take the wrong punch on the wrong day and not take the time they need to get back right. And the chin never recovers. I've seen others take the wrong shot on the wrong day, go down hard Take the time and come back in the well, chin. That's, what, that's like the big thing that's going around with the Ben Askren, Jake Paul thing was everyone now is like, oh, he took that beating for Rob because Robbie's about to fight. So they're looking at that to fight again. Like, oh, man, Ben Askren took that beating for Robbie Lawler. How did Jake Paul knock him out? It's like, did you forget what, what Masfall did to his chin? I mean, sometimes your chin just never recovers. And it, I mean, that's how that, that, that stuff happens. I mean, that's literally how it goes. It takes, a, it takes a long time. It takes a very long time. I mean, Dan will tell you when we, when we do some filming later in the week with Dan, he'll talk through. He's had some personal experiences with training uh, with Hector Lombard, just getting lit up in training. Things escalate, and it takes a long time for things to recover. Either way, I bet on Nazrat. Nazrat's my pick. Nazrat will be in my DraftKings lineup. The monkey knife fight line's an interesting one. I think less less is the line. I think that's the play. They're yeah, both tough. That's uh, the problem. It, it, yeah, because I think someone's going to fold because they're going to throw bombs. I think Dan's going to come out and know that he's got to finish it early because of all the you know the not lack of sleep. You know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, we go less less probably. I think we said less less on pretty much everything. Um. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of tricky ones. It's probably. I mean, this is a tough. It's a tough line. It's a tough fight. But I is think this less a, less. Where, play. Is this in front of a crowd? Because a lot of times fights are a lot quicker in front of crowds. I'll tell you that because the adrenaline's going. People rushing forward. There's a lot more knockouts. Um. So where's this fight at? I don't even. I can't remember. It's in Vegas. Uh. I, I mean, that's actually a phenomenal question. It. I, I think it's. It is in front of a crowd. Yeah. Only the fight nights are not in front of a crowd. It's in front of a crowd. I would hope so. so. Yeah. This will be um this will be a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. 
no matter what, I'm just hoping, uh, you know, I got money on, on Nazareth, so I hope he wins and Dan Mobile Arena. So, yeah, it'll doesn't be. Die. yeah, exactly. So, we own picks.com slash MKF. I like the less, less in the monkey knife fight line. Dan Hooker's toughness could make that go a little longer, but after the Chandler fight, I, his, his chin got progressively worse in his last three fights. It didn't get better. I don't think this is going to be much, much different. Next up at UFC 266, we have Marlon Marias versus Marab Davishvili. Davishvili. Marab, 13 and 4 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five. He's on an absolute tear lately. Marlon Marias, 23 and 8. Two losses, a win, and then a loss. He's not having the best streak, if you will, but that's what happens. He rose to the top, fought the cream of the crop, and now he's clunking his way back down. Marlon Marias is an absolute savage. I've managed fighters for 15 years. Unfortunately for me, I was in the position of matching up one of my guys against Marlon Marias in 2011. We got a call. It was the XFC saying, hey, does, does Chris want to fight Marlon Marias? Took a look at his record, did our research. And at the time, Morales was coming off of two losses. He hadn't quite figured out takedown defense yet. Chris, the guy I was managing, solid jujitsu. Okay, takedowns, but solid jujitsu. We're like, you know what? That should be a good fight. We should make that happen. And uh, Marlon Marias absolutely pelted him for three rounds, won a decision. Uh, and that kicked off. That was the first, <laughs> the first win in his incredible five-year unbeaten streak when he was on an absolute tear, destroying the world. Marlon Marias has phenomenal striking, heavy kicks. When he is on, he is on, and he looks like he can beat anybody in the world. The problem is that people have figured out, if you pressure Marlon Marias, if you back him up, he's going to be a step behind. Marlon Marias puts so much power into those strikes, he literally needs to plant and then throw. And if you're backing him up, he can't plant and throw before you get to him. We just watched that. Rob Font did that the entire time, just lit him up with a jab, stayed in his face, didn't let Marlon Marias plant. He couldn't get off, and he just was absolutely dismantled. Marab Davishvili is a very different matchup for Marlon compared to his last two opponents, right? Instead of two strikers, he's just fighting an absolute savage wrestler. But the same logic to win, the exact same logic. If Marab has forward pressure, backs up Marlon, who loses a step when he's backing up, Marab will get this done skill-wise, where he has great conditioning, absolute nonstop chain wrestling. He has solid striking, maybe just okay striking, but he has actual power there. He times his takedowns really, really well. And if he doesn't get the takedown, it doesn't matter because there's another one right behind it. The dude is nonstop with the wrestling. I, I love Marab in this, uh, in this matchup. The odds makers are, you know, minus 235. They're onto it. I do like this um, for real. I, I genuinely like this. So what are you thinking? Other than for some reason disparaging me in the comments, I'm, I'm adding personal anecdotes here. My bad. What do you think? Yeah, I'll come to the defense of Marias a little bit uh, for Dan because he is an ATT guy, and I think he's going to have a game plan and be ready for the takedowns of Marab. Unfortunately, there's not a game plan that's going to stop this guy. You're going to have a game plan to stop him, but he's going to get through the game plan. Um, he's going to get you to the ground. He's probably going to TKO you. I think it's Marab all the way in this fight. Um, 
I'm actually surprised he's such a big favorite, but it, it really makes sense. I figured just because of it's Marlon Marias that it might be like a 150. So over two to one is um is pretty surprising, but uh, I think it should be there. I think that's I think that's pretty pretty good money. So um, I like Marab all the way in this fight. Yeah, and listen, Mar Marlon Marias is a savage, and I and I don't know why, you know, they're just sort of throwing him out, right? Like he he did not beat. You know, even even in, if you look at his last five, he did not beat Jose Aldo. The UFC knows he didn't beat Jose Aldo, which is why Jose got the title shot and he didn't. But I just don't know. There's still a lot there. He's still a young-ish guy. He's really fun to watch. I'm surprised at this matchup. I mean, Marab is a bad matchup for 90-something percent of the people in that division. I don't know why you give him Marlon, right? Marlon's a step up on paper, but matchup-wise, it's a pretty straightforward fight. It really is. So we'll see. I mean, if Marlon comes out here and looks like he did two years ago, he smokes. Marab. I've never seen a striker out wrestle a wrestler. Okay, well, there's JSP. no wrestling involved here, and that's your stupid quote from earlier. JSP. I get it, but come on, on task, stay on task. So well, Marlon Marlon's Ryan, a striker. There's a wrestler. What do you mean it doesn't go? You said I've never seen a striker out wrestle a grappler. Why would he wrestle Marab? He's not going to do that. Shut up. No, anyway. it's, when, it's when Marab starts wrestling. Marai, that's the point of the quote is Marab starts wrestling and Marlon can't outwork him. I've never seen a striker out-wrestle a wrestler. It means he's going to wrestle and he can't out-wrestle him. Come right. on, man. Anyway, thanks for the breakdown there. That was very insightful. Well, obviously, it was needed. But listen, Mar Marab, tough, phenomenal wrestling, nonstop wrestling. Marlon Marias, absolute savage when he's on, has struggled with wrestlers. He struggles with backing up. It's a bad matchup, but this is by far the best fighter Marab has ever fought. And, you know, at one point, looked like he could be champion. So this is tough. What are your thoughts on all these things on the screen, Jacob? Uh, I would look for a um, something like a uh, TKO finish for Marab. Yeah, $8,900. I'll probably spend the money. I like the money because at the very least, there's going to be a million takedowns. Um, he scores a ton of points in every single DraftKings fight. Money line, honestly, is probably pretty safe. Minus 235. I, I don't like spending more than... Minus 190, you know, but it's probably pretty safe. And, and styles make fights, and, and he's an interesting style. The strike line, I absolutely despise. I hate it. I absolutely hate the strike line. I have no idea what to do with it. What do you think about the strike line? Yeah, I have no, absolutely no idea what, idea what to do with it. Okay. To just, just absolute, just incredible insight from Jake. Welcome back. How glad are we that Jake was back, huh? Big Next up at UFC 266, we have the main card opener. We have Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. Jessica Andrade, 21 and 9, only 2 and 3 in her last five. Cynthia Calvillo, 9, 2 and 1. She is 3, 1 and 1 in her last five. Jessica Andrade was absolutely dominated in her last fight. She lost the striking exchanges. She lost the grappling exchanges. She lost the physical exchanges, right? The bullying. She was bullied big time. But if you look at her losses, they are only to the best women on the planet. This is almost the exact same story that I told last week about Raquel Pennington, except Jessica Andrade is definitely on a different level than Raquel Pennington. She's only lost to champions and former champions, period. That's the end of that. Um, it's easy to look at her last five fights and counter out, but honestly, that's a mistake. As far as her skills are concerned, she's a very good striker with a ton of power, and her power isn't just in her hands. She is a bully, and she is strong everywhere. 
Look how she KO'd Rose. She picked her up, dumped her on her head, knocked her out cold. She knocked out Chikagian or stopped Chikagian with a body shot. I mean, she is a savage with legitimate power. Uh, she's got good ground and pound. Her BJJ isn't always the best. Uh, and her takedowns are not technical at all. But she's so strong, it doesn't matter. She will pick you up, slam you, pick you up, dump you, pick you up and run it. It doesn't matter. Um, she's so powerful. She makes up for the gaps in her technique. And honestly, her striking is good. It's not very technical, but she makes up for it with speed and power uh, and just raw physicality. When Jessica can be the bully, she can beat anybody, literally anybody. If she can bully you, she will beat absolutely anybody. But when she can't be the bully, she will lose to clean, solid technique every single time, and that's when she's going to have trouble. Cynthia Calvillo, in many ways... Jessica is the opposite, or Cynthia is the opposite, right? They're opposites of each other. She doesn't rely on her strength at all. She doesn't have much speed. She's not the most powerful woman in the division, but she's super technical. For every pickup and slam from Andrade, Jessica has a clean entry and a solid takedown, right? Andrade is pushing you to the cage, grabbing something, one leg, two legs, hips, picking it up. Cynthia is setting up nice, solid, lower her level, nice entry takedowns. Uh, when she gets you to the ground, she's solid. She'll soften you up with strikes to sink in the submission. Very different approach to the ground game than Andrade, who just wants to beat you up down there. Uh, the issue for her, however, is that her striking is not good. And it's obvious at times that she isn't comfortable in a lot of these exchanges. And Jessica is not the person you want to be hesitant with, not the personal, the person you want to be uncomfortable with in striking exchanges. She needs to avoid the exchanges, get it to the ground, and work from there. That is her only path to victory, and I don't see that happening. Everything on this screen is correct. The DraftKings price is correct. The odds are correct. I think Jessica Andrade gets this done, bullies the hell out of Cynthia, and just shows everybody why she's always number two or three in the world. What do you think? Yeah, is this um, at, I think this is at Strawweight, isn't it? Isn't it? I think Tapology has it back at 125, which is where Andrade used to no, dominate. It says flyweight. I got it at Flyweight. I mean, Tapology says 125, which is straw weight. And you're Mr. Tapology. I hate so, Tapology. But go the, ahead. The, the point of it is at 125, Andrade was able to bully people. Um, but in this fight, I really feel like Cynthia is the girl that can really almost out-tough Jessica. Usually, Andrade is the tougher fighter. Um, even when she was getting beat up, I still think she's like the, the tougher fighter, like the tougher person. But Cynthia really is no joke, man. And I don't think a lot of people have put a lot of respect on, on, on Cynthia going into this fight. I don't think she's going to win the fight. But at $7,200, I found enough value in her. I think there's going to be some weird scrambles where she can get position, get some strikes off. I think she can threaten submissions against Andrade when Andrade is a little bit too aggressive. I think she's got the toughness to match Andrade. Listen, I don't think by any means that she's going to come out and dominate Andrade. People really don't do that except for, you know, Shevchenko at the higher weight. Um, but I think there's some real value in Cynthia here. Um so she, I mean, she, I think she's going to find her way in my lineup. I, I might switch it because I, I put the, the new Arkansas wrestling lock of the week in, in there. So I might have to switch some things around, but right now she's, uh, she's in my lineup at that $7,200. Yeah. I mean, the way, you know, you can't trust anything Jacob just said is he just argued that this fight was at 125 and it says flyweight on the screen and blah, blah, blah. Okay. 125 is flyweight. You absolute clown. Well, I mean, you went deep diving in your phone. So you I didn't go deep diving. I'm, I'm getting my screen ready. On your next, phone. I'm getting my screen ready for the next fight. You clown. You anyway, on your phone. 
But my, I just point, don't... my point reigns true that she's back at 125, which is obviously flyweight. I don't know what Angela was talking about. Yeah. And then, uh, but I don't think she's going to be all bull to Cynthia like she did the other 125ers. So that's the only difference that I see. Yeah. So we have very different. Dis- I th- is this the first time we disagreed? No, we disagreed earlier with your lock, but we've got very different picks. My pick on is Andrade. But you're saying she's not going to bully. And if she can't bully, she can't win. It's that simple. Then I guess anyway, I'll spend the nine thousand dollars. I'm probably not going to touch money line bet. Uh, monkey knife fight, man. If this goes to a decision, I think they they get past that. I, I don't know if Jessica is going to be able to stop here. This more, I, more. I think I think she'll stop her. I actually like the less less. I like the less less. More, I more. think she'll stop her. I yeah, I disagree with more and more. I disagree with putting Cynthia in your lineup. I mean. I think she gets pounded on here, but we'll see what happens. We on picks.com slash MKF. I like the less, less. Let me know what you guys like in the comments because this is an interesting, uh, an interesting strike line. Basically, if it goes to a decision, they should blow past. It. But I think Jessica is expected to have one fewer strike, but still dominate this fight. It, it's an interesting line, interesting matchup. We'll see what happens. Next up at UFC 266, we have an absolute clash of styles. We have Curtis Blades versus Jarzino Rosenshrew. Curtis Blades, 14-3 and three overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, coming off of that bad knockout loss to Derek Lewis. Rosenshrew, 12-2 and two overall, alternating wins and losses in his last five. And honestly, this is a pretty hard fight to pick. I, I know people are just running, oh, wrestling versus striking, wrestling wins. This is a hard I've never seen a striker out wrestle a wrestler. Oh my god! People who are watching these videos individually and not all of it at once are probably like, "What? What?" No, they're probably like, "Yeah, that's a good line. That makes sense." Yeah, that's not, with the, the wow. The red hair. He's he's got this. It's more than just a pretty face. Um, it's a hard fight to pick. Honestly, it's it's a super straightforward fight. We have grappler versus striker. And if we didn't see Blades just get knocked out cold by Derek Lewis the way he did, this would be the easiest pick of the card. Curtis Blades has fantastic wrestling. He's a heavyweight who wrestles like a welterweight. He's got fast, clean entries to double legs, single legs. He touches the legs and he runs right through them. This is not heavyweight wrestling. Even Daniel Cormier, who's a nasty Olympic wrestler, doesn't wrestle the way Curtis Blades does in MMA. Daniel Cormier doesn't lower his level and take shots. Right, he works you against the cage. He'll get an underhook. Then he might lower his level. Then he'll grab a single. Little wizard, little wizard. But Curtis, a wizard is when you're defending takedowns. Shut your mouth. Curtis Blades will actually drop elevation and take a clean shot. And heavyweights who are not ready for that, heavyweights train wrestling defense against the cage 99% of the time. So when they're not ready for that, Curtis Blades does exactly what he does to everybody else. He gets you to the ground and he just lights up your face with elbows, with punches. He has really nice hips. He he will keep you on the mat, control you the entire round. You're not going to pop back up. And most heavyweights are honestly not prepared for that style of wrestling. When you look at credentials, Curtis Blades isn't anywhere near the credentials of Daniel Cormier. But if you look at their body of work, Curtis Blades is 10 times a more effective wrestler in MMA than Daniel Cormier was. Rosenstruck, very heavy-handed striker. He had a nice bounce-back win 
after the most boring fight of the century against Gon. Uh, he had that nice win against Sakai. And what was interesting about that fight is we saw him pushing the pace. So his loss against Gon, I mean, that fight sucked. It was boring. They both did nothing. Purists will say, oh, it was a technical wizardry. No, nah, it was nonsense. It was awful. It was a boring fight. But against Sakai, he's coming forward. He's pushing the face. He's pushing the pace. And historically, Rosenstruck is a counter-striker. He waits for his shots. He can fall behind on the scorecards, but he waits for his shots, and then he takes them, and when he takes them, he takes them. But in that fight, he was coming forward. He was pushing the pace. Uh, we've seen him fall behind on scorecards. We've seen him fall behind in fights and then claw his bay back for a win. The problem is he relies on big exchanges for that. It happened with Junior Dos Santos. It happened with Overeem. Uh, and it was happening with Gon. He never got that big exchange to win it, but he was letting himself fall behind on the scorecards. Um, you know, it, it, this should be an easy pick for Blades. It should be. But Blades has to fight a perfect fight to win, and I'm not sure if he will. If we get the Rosenstruck that fought Sakai, Rosenstruck wins. The one that comes forward, the one that's going to let his hands go as soon as Blades lowers his level, that one will win. But if we get the Rosenstruck that's, the counter striker, I, I don't see him stopping the takedowns. I, Curtis Blades is my pick, but I, I, man, it, it this is a much harder pick to come to than a, a lot of people think. I think a lot of people think, oh, nasty wrestler, striker, done, picks over. What do you think? Uh, yeah, nasty striker, you know, grappler, you know, picks done over. I think Blades wins his fight. It's going to be copy and paste of the of the Derek Lewis fight, you know. Rosenstruck's going to be sitting, waiting for the uppercut, waiting for the uppercut, waiting for the shot. Uh, I think Blades is going to be wise of it. Um, you've seen him bounce back before after a brutal knockout versus, you know, Naganu who came back and won four in a row. I don't think it really phases him. He's kind of a level-headed guy. He says, listen, I know what I'm good at. I know the fans hate it, um, and that makes me want to do it more. He's one of those guys that just wants to spite people. Uh, I think he gets on the legs. He makes it boring. Um, he drags this thing out, and uh, he, he dominates the fight, so. Obviously, there's always going to be that one-shot ability by Rosenstruck. I don't think he's going to come forward and blitz Blades and overwhelm him. Uh, Blades is going to get this fight to the ground, and he's going to he's going to control the fight. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Uh, I agree with that. I don't think it's as cut and dry as that, right? I think there's challenges here. Curtis, his two losses are two vicious knockouts, or two of his losses are two vicious knockouts. Um, we just watched him dominate wrestling and then get knocked out. There is a game plan there in place. Um, it's only a three round fight, not a five round fight. So Curtis blades just has to do what he does. Basically Curtis blades only needs to take three shots to win this fight. If he can execute three solid takedowns, he will win this fight. The problem is every fight starts on his feet and he has to do it three times. And as we saw with the Derek Lewis fight, it's a little, it's a little harder than you may assume. What do you think? That's what she said. No. What do you think of the uh, strike line? That's an interesting one, right? If Blades getting a bunch of takedowns, elbow, 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 elbow. 31 strikes is a lot. If if Rosenstruck lands 31 strikes, I, you know, he might put Curtis Blades out. Let me ask you a question. What do go. you think about the strike line? Oh, my God. The preparation. The preparation is very obvious when this <laughs> – Anyway, I, here's my here's my thoughts on the strike on the strike line. I, I think it's got to be you got to pick a side. You got to pick a side because if you think it, it is hard because Curtis Blades is going to take down Rosenstruck. Is he going to do it more than once? 
and win the fight? I don't know. But he's definitely going to take down Rosenstruck. And when he's on top, he's busy, 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 busy. So he should be able to get the 62 and a half if we end up in the third round. Rosenstruck, I don't think he's going to land. If we end up in the third round, that means that he was on his back the whole time. So we're going to get more from Curtis, less from Rosenstruck. Yeah, this if, is more. Sorry, go ahead. I thought you were If Rosenstruck gets off 30-something shots in the first and second round, he'll probably put Blades away, and it'll be less-less. So, you know, it's either more-less or less-less, And honestly. Yeah, this, this is one of those to look at for uh, inside the distance decision no action for uh, Rosenstruck. You're probably not going to get great odds. It's probably going to be like 170 or minus 170, one, minus 190, something like that. But um, that's probably one you might want to throw some money at because uh, he could he could end the night with one punch at any moment or he could be on his back the entire fight. Uh, yeah, I, I know you'll get better odds than that. He's a plus 270 underdog. If you do wins inside the distance with a decision is no action on a plus 270 underdog, you'll probably get – you know, you'll probably get uh, – you might even get plus odds on that. That bet is an interesting one. You'll only get it at weonpicks.com slash bets. Basically, if Rosenstruck gets the knockout that a lot of people think he will, you get paid. If he loses a decision on his back the entire time, you get a refund. So do you think – the biggest question there for that bet is do you think he can withstand a beating on bottom? If he can, then that's the bet to make, guaranteed, because he loses, no big deal. If not, you're screwed. So it's a hard line. You got to make a decision to bet this line, to play this line. I'm not touching it. I don't like minus 330 either. Like Curtis Blades, I think he wins the fight because he only needs to get three takedowns to win this fight. But I'm not spending minus 330 on a dude that we've seen knocked out cold try to execute the exact same game plan. Next up at UFC 266, we have a, a really <laughs> – Fun, weird, exciting, strange, a ridiculous fight, which I'm looking forward to. We have Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, 28 and 15 overall, riding a four-fight losing streak. Nick Diaz, 26 and 9, has not fought in six years. Coming off of a five-year suspension, he had a draw, or sorry, a no contest, two losses, and two wins. His last win was nine years and nine months ago, okay? That's the last time Nick Diaz won. So this is, an, this is a crazy fight, right? And it's crazy for a hundred different reasons. It's a rematch from 16 years ago. It's the comeback of a guy who hasn't fought in five years, and it is a five-round fight. This is not a three-round fight. It's a five-round fight. It's not for a belt. It's just five rounds because Nate Diaz did that a few weeks ago, and then Nick was like, hell, if I can fight five rounds, I'll fight five rounds. Robbie Lawler, again, this is a rematch from 38 years ago. Uh, at that time, 16 years ago when they fought, Robbie was an incredibly powerful kid. I think he was like 19 or 20. Uh, he was just taking people's heads off. Nick basically gave him his first loss. He had a loss before that, but it was an injury. He basically gave him his first loss. He lost his next fight, and then he left the UFC until his career resurgence in 2013 and 14. When he came back to the UFC, I'm talking about Robbie Lawler. When he came back to the UFC and became champion, skill-wise, Robbie's a, a you know a technical brawler who knows how to wrestle. He has a wrestling background. He was a wrestler, then got into MMA. Loved just brawling and throwing bombs. And over the years, he took the brawling style, added sort of very technical aspects to it, but kept the brawling style. So I, you know, he's a technical brawler. As ridiculous as that sounds, is an oxymoron. Um, he has a ton of fun. 
Uh, he's a ton of fun to watch because, you know, he will use his technique and do the right things, and then he will get sucked into an absolute war. And if anybody's going to suck him into a war, it is Nick Diaz. If you watch his title fights with Rory McDonald, it was clean technique at range. They'll fire nice shots, and then he gets inside the pocket, and it's an absolute brawl. And the problem is he's definitely older. He has taken a ton of damage, and he is declining quickly. Nick Diaz, he's coming off that five-year suspension. And you may say, oh, my God, five years. He must have taken all the steroids he in the must world. He killed somebody. <laughs> no, he smoked a little weed. Now. But you shouldn't do that. Well, listen, straight up, like now they've. Uh, they didn't make it. It kills your brain cells. They've kills. lowered. They've. It kills they've, your brain cells. Don't do it. Now they've changed the the uh, regulations that you can have. You can have it in your system. And I forget the math. Basically, if you smoke that day, you're gonna fail whatever the limit is. But you can smoke weed now, and it's not that big of a deal. You but die. if you smoke weed, you will die. In fairness to the rules, Nick Diaz knew the rules, and it wasn't his first violation, and that's why it was a five-year suspension. It's an absurd suspension. They did him dirty. I think they offered some relief, and he just was absolutely like, no, screw you. I'm not taking it. I'll serve my full five. Anyway, anyway, you have to love Nick Diaz. If you're newer to this sport and you only know Nate Diaz, his little brother, Nick is basically – not a mirror image, but they fight very similarly, except Nick is way smarter. First of all, he can form a full sentence, which Nate struggles with. But second of all, he has higher fight IQ. He's a better fighter than Nate is. And you're doing the Nate Diaz pose, not the Nick. But okay. They all do that. <laughs> they all. Wow. Unbelievable. Um, he's a high-volume, move-forward boxer. He has very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And just like his brother, he does not have very good takedowns. Um, He's not going to throw any kicks. And uh, listen, to anybody who knows who's going to win this fight, who's like, oh, Nick Diaz is going to destroy, Robbie Lawler's going to, anybody who has a hard stance on this fight is crazy. How you could draw a line in the sand and say, this is absolutely what's going to happen when you have a dude on a four fight loss streak versus a guy on a three fight unbeat, on a three fight streak that no win streak that hasn't fought in six years, you, nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen here. And if you're positive and you're pretending you're positive, you're out of your mind. Nobody knows what's going to happen. With that being said, I, I'm picking Nick Diaz, and it defies all logic. Like my gut is saying, no, that's stupid. But if I think about it, you know, the time off only hurt so, – sorry, that, that six-year time period or whatever, that hurt Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler has taken – yeah, he became champion and had amazing things happen in his career, but it took years off of his life. He was in some all-timers and some absolute devastating wars. Years have been taken off of his life, and I just, you know, I, I, I just don't know what that's going to look like. I think Nick Diaz comes out with one million strikes on his feet. If it ends up on the ground, there'll be some trouble there. I don't know how it'll get to the ground, though, because Nick's not shooting a takedown. That's a lot of talking for me. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I just placed a bet on this fight because I forgot it was a five-rounder uh, for uh, goes the distance no at plus 105. I thought that was a pretty good one. I think one of these guys is going to come out and look a lot better than the other guy. I don't know who it's going to be, like you mentioned with the layoff, but I think somebody comes out and looks a lot sharper than the other person. Um, 
the odds makers actually give Nate a lot, or I sorry, Nick a lot of credit because of the big layoff. We saw earlier the odds for um, his friend that's got the big layoff. Obviously, different level of fighter, but you would think five years off that would at least give him, you know, Robbie at least like a minus one fifty or something. So somebody knows something, or somebody doesn't know anything to make this a pick em. Um my pick's actually going to be Robbie because I think he's been, you know, he's looked decent. He's not like a guy that's going out like Cowboy, right? Where Cowboy just can't do anything right and is just getting beat on to end his career. You know, Robbie was winning that fight versus Ben Askren. Um, you know, he lost to Dos Anjos. He lost to Woodley. He lost to Colby Covington, Neil Magny. Those were just decision losses. Those weren't TKOs. You know, he fight, you know, he kind of got dominating those fights, but he didn't look, you know, awful, awful. He wasn't getting finished. So I think he comes out and honestly looks like the sharper fighter, looks like a guy that's been active. Um, and I think Nate, Nick um, finds himself in some trouble early, and we'll see if he can weather that storm after a five-year layoff. So uh, I like Robbie. I don't love the Robbie pick, but I like Robbie in this fight just because he's been more active. Yeah, it's it, it's a fun fight. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. There's gonna you know it, it's super interesting. Honestly, it's better for the sport if Nick Diaz goes out there and puts on a shell. That is better for the sport. There's there's more matchups waiting for him. And honestly, that five-year layoff, we talked about it earlier when we talked about Dan Hooker. And not that Nick Diaz – so Nick Diaz takes damage. Both him and his brother have like all sorts of uh, – and Nick, Nick Diaz actually had surgery to have plates put in here so he doesn't bleed. But the, the Diaz brothers get their skin rips and they bleed immediately. So when you watch their fights, it looks like they're taking a ton of damage. But it's not brain damage. It's all cosmetic. But um, you know that time off could only have helped his body, but I don't know what that did for his timing. I don't know what that did for anybody else. He's obviously training. He runs. Yeah, he kind of he kind of took that layoff that you wish Dan Hooker would take. Honestly, yeah. well, and and yeah, obviously he's been training. He's been helping his brother, um, but training to help somebody and training for a fight are very different things. He's been running marathons, triathlons, whatever it is. Like we have to assume he's in shape. I'm going to assume he's going to be a step behind for a round or two. But even Nick Diaz's volume, a step behind, his chin should be good. So Robbie Lawler is going to land some shots because his timing will be more clean. But Nick Diaz's chin should be good. It's taken no damage in five years. So ton of fun. DraftKings drew a line in the sand. They picked the winner. It's not a pick him as far as DraftKings is concerned. They went $8,300 on Robbie Lawler. And honestly, if I'm putting one in my lineup, Nick Diaz is the better value. 7000 something. He throws 200 million strikes in a fight. I already played the more, more on Monkey Knife Fight. Um, so I threw a, threw a little bit on that. It is a five-round fight, and as powerful as Robbie Lawler is, he's basically a stationary target at times, and Nick Diaz is just going to let those hands fly. So I took the more and more. What do you think about that line? Yeah, five rounds, you got to go more and more probably because the guys, these guys are both just tough as shit. So. Yeah, super tough. The 81 actually worries me more than the 121, but we'll see what happens. We on picks.com slash MKF. It is a ton of fun, super easy. You get an instant deposit match with promo code WWP. All you need to do is say more or less than the strike line you see on the screen, and you can two and a half times your money all the way up to 25 times your money. Ton of fun, super easy. We on picks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC 266, we have Valentina Shevchenko defending her flyweight, which is 125 pounds. Her flyweight title against Lauren Murphy. Valentina Shevchenko, one of the best to ever do it. 21-3 and three overall. 5-0 and oh in her last five, and her only losses are a distant memory to Amanda Nunes, essentially. And then Lauren Murphy, 15-4 and four overall, riding the win streak of the century 
for a woman that at one point was like, okay, you know, this is probably it for her. She's a little older. Now she's 38, but a little older, not really great anywhere. This is probably it for her. Put together an awesome win streak and finds herself vying for a title on Saturday night. Valentina Shevchenko, legit one of the best fighters on the planet, regardless of gender, weight division, or any of that. She is a phenomenal striker, very good grappler, and has true championship composure and mindset. Her striking is some of the best in any division. And it's honestly, she lost to Amanda Nunes. She has better striking than Amanda Nunes. She just doesn't have that just savage power that Amanda has. But she's a very technical, clean striker and, and does have power. Just there's levels to the power. She's very technical. She has enough power to keep people away, put people away. The last few years, we've seen her game evolve. Her last fight, she had takedowns. She bullied Jessica, and she used a complete MMA arsenal to the point where it looked like she was trying to prove a point. It looked like she was trying to say, I'll beat you at what you're good at. You want to be bullied? I'll bully you. You want me to take you down? I'll take you down. And that's honestly what it looked like in her last fight. And that just shows how much... Even a champion, even somebody at that level of striking, having the success in the striking department, the, the amount that she has evolved in the last few years is absolutely incredible. Valentina Shevchenko will go down as one of the best to ever do it. Lauren Murphy earned this title shot. Five solid wins in a row. None of them were pretty. None of them. But they were all really well-fought fights. She is a grinder. She's gritty. She's tough. She has incredible will and determination, and she will stick to a game plan. Wrestling and muscle clinch work is her skill set, and muscle clinch work. It's not the cleanest technique, but she's so strong, so determined, has so much willpower. She's made it happen, especially in her last five fights, and her strength is her biggest asset. Her striking is sloppy, but it's there. It's in your face. She has a very, very narrow path to victory. She needs to somehow bully Shevchenko. She needs to do to what Shev do to Shevchenko what Jessica Andrade wanted to do. Get in there, stay in her face, bully her, push her up against the cage, just out strength her, big brother her, if you will. And her size and strength, honestly, th there may be a little bit of that. She is big, she is strong, but all that's going to do is make Shevchenko clean up any technique stick to the technique, and just absolutely light up Lauren Murphy. Everything about this is 100% accurate. She is a minus 1,600 favorite. Should be. I don't see many surprises. What do you think? Yeah, there's um, they're just kind of running out of people at this point. Listen, Chevy's going to win, and she just had, they just got to fight Nunez again. You just have to do it. I know she lost twice already, but they're, but they're both just running out of people. You just got to meet again. They got to fight again. Chevy's going to win this fight. The only thing I will mention – which this could make the recap on Sunday morning. Lauren Murphy, her nickname is Lucky. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, sheer will and determination. I mean, she's like she's like that mom that lifted the car off her kid. Like she just she she does it. And she has that just that willpower and the willingness to go out there. There's just levels to this. Yeah, and it's going to be wherever, like you mentioned, wherever Valentina wants to take this fight, she can take it. I think, I think her like her judo and and grappling is is so underrated. Valentina, she'll get in that clinch, just body lock you, and just throw you across the octagon. I mean, everyone talks about her striking, but her her judo throws and everything are just incredible. And she's in perfect position out of them too, to complete side control. I mean, it's just unreal how good she is. So I'm just waiting for her to fight Nunes again. 
Yeah, Valentino Shevchenko's the pick. I will put her in my DraftKings lineup. I mean, $9,500 is a lot of money. But, you know, we're talking five rounds and, and the most dominant champion, almost the second most dominant champion, against a journeyman who's really put it together in the last couple of fights. I think $9,500 is the money to spend. There's not a single bet that I'm going to touch. There's not a single bet. I, I don't know what you could bet on that would even be worth the risk. Lauren Murphy's not going to win. So there's nothing on that side. And then Valentina Shevchenko, I mean, look at the money line. Even crazy prop bets, even TKO round three is still going to be minus money. So uh, it, that's just not going to be worth it. Monkey knife fight, let's say less, less. I mean, Lauren Murphy's super tough and 56 strikes may not be that hard, but let's say less, less. Shevchenko will touch her up, feel her out, and then put her away in, let's say, round three. So I like less, less. Uh, that's a bold prediction there you just made. It's very interesting. And I hate doing specific stuff. You can stuff. take you... round three Shevchenko for plus 550. I cannot believe that's plus money. First round She's... plus 240, plus 350, plus 550, plus 1,000, plus 1,600 for round five Shevchenko. Let's do the math on that. You might be able to bet every single one as long as there's a stoppage, you win money. Because what's Shevchenko by stoppage? Uh, Shevchenko by stoppage I mean, minus is minus 285. Yeah, so... There's got to be some math to figure out there where you can bet on a stoppage in each round and still make money. Um, definitely more money than a, the overall. Inside the distance minus. decision no action, Valentino is still minus 1,500. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well. Minus either way, I mean, what did you say? Minus 105 for a KO or a TKO for Shevchenko. I imagine it's KO, TKO, not a submission. But what are your thoughts on the Monkey Knife fight line? Uh, probably less, less. I think Jeff Shanko ends this pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so too. That's probably a solid play. Um, and honestly, this might be a week where knockout Kings, I'm not going to do three for three. That's, that's a pain, but I might, I might up it, do two. Maybe Chef Shanko will be in there. Chevy, as you like to call her. Chevy. Should be an interesting fight. Just out of sheer witnessing history. You watch Michael Jordan play basketball. You watch Valentina Shevchenko defend her belt. So this should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll see what happens. We on picks.com, promos, matches, giveaways. Next up at UFC 266, we have the main event of the evening, the culmination of this season of The Ultimate Fighter. We have Alexander Volkanovsky defending his belt against Brian Ortega. Alexander Volkanovsky, 22-1 and overall on a very long, nice win streak. Brian Ortega, 15-1 and overall. That only loss coming to Max Holloway. Two fights ago, this this actually is a, is a really interesting matchup. You know, uh, the if I didn't watch much of the Ultimate Fighter, I did watch enough to uh, break down that card and do the bets on on the finale. But you know, it actually seemed like these two kind of like each other, get along. Any sort of bickering is just bickering because it's two professional fighters in a house. But uh, they're both decent dudes, good personalities, skill wise. Volkanovski has been the champion for two years. And we have only seen him fight one person, which is actually a pretty interesting stat. Two full years as the featherweight champion, we've only seen him fight one human being. Uh, so this will be a very interesting fight, and it'll tell us a lot about him and his reign as champion, right? We don't know if he's going to be a true dominant champion or if his skill set just perfectly aligns with Max. Yeah, and there's, and there's, a lot, there's, yeah there's a lot of people that thought he lost both those fights too. Yeah. I thought he lost the first one. I didn't think he lost the second one. Either way, 
Alexander's a very good striker. He has legit speed with his hands and feet. He uses kicks really well. He uses combinations to set up super clean takedowns. His takedowns for a guy without a wrestling background are very clean. And a lot of it is because he's so fast. He's a short guy, but he doesn't struggle finding the head. His footwork is solid. He comes in super fast. He can get to that head. Or the hips, right? That exact same footwork that gets him there to come up top. He lowers his level, shoots those solid takedowns. He's a he's very strong. He doesn't necessarily possess like crazy knockout power, but he is super strong. And a lot of that strength comes from when he was 300 something pounds playing rugby back in the day. You know, do you know the story about that? It's actually kind of a funny, funny story because, because of his accent, he somebody asked me in an interview once, what was your playing weight in rugby? And he said, Oh, I was about 215. And people thought that he said 250 instead of 215. So he said, ah, people thought I was 250. I just kind of went with it. So he, everyone thought he was 250 playing rugby, but I think he was only 215. But still, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of weight. Yeah. All right. So I was off by uh, quite a few pounds. I thought it was all the way up to 300. But even 215, the dude is like, what, 5'2"? How tall is he? He's 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> He's 5'6", five, featherweight. He does have that strength. He doesn't have raw KO power, which is surprising because he's so fast and everything's so well-timed. But incredible striker, very well-rounded overall. Brian Ortega, a phenomenal grappler, a very capable striker. He doesn't have great wrestling, which honestly, that is always really bizarre to me when you're that good at jujitsu and didn't get your wrestling up to par to get to the mat, right? If that's where you want to be, how did you not hone in your wrestling to get there, a la Ryan Hall? If he is able to tie you up and work you to the ground, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Anybody would be in a lot of trouble. And a lot of people counted out Brian Ortega with his fight against Korean Zombie because of how bad he looked against Max. I thought he was going to be really competitive against Max Holloway, and he wasn't. And I mean, that was not a competitive fight. He got beat up pretty good. MMA math doesn't work, right? So you can't just say, oh, well, Max beat... Brian and Volkanovski beat Max, so that's it. Picks over. Um, but he looked fantastic against Korean Zombie. He went out there, executed a solid game plan. He won a great fight. You know, Volkanovski is the better striker. Volkanovski is definitely the better wrestler. He is not the better grappler. So the question is, how much better has Brian Ortega's striking gotten? Because he is a good striker. I don't think it's a giant gap. But how much better has Brian Ortega's striking gotten? And can he take Volkanovski down to impose a grappling game plan? I don't know. Volkanovski is shorter. Brian Ortega doesn't have good takedowns. I don't know. Volkanovski is my pick, but what are your thoughts? Oh, well, first of all, bless you. Uh, times two. Bless you times two. Listen, I used to be a big Brian Ortega fan, and everyone knows the drama that me and uh, Ortega have had um, in the past year. Uh, he kind of took my girl, Tracy Cortez. So we kind of got a little beef, but I'm going to try and be unbiased as I can in this breakdown, put that put that personal stuff aside. Um, I do like Brian Ortega as a fighter, but Vol Volkanowski, man, he is just so, so technical. I don't know if Brian's going to be able to get in that range where he can work submissions and try to get this fight to the ground. I think he's going to get beat up on the way in, kind of what you saw with Max. Listen, Ortega is very, very tough because that was a doctor stoppage where he was just absolutely destroyed and was still coming forward against Max. Um, and I agree, it's going to it's going to come down to has Brian Ortega worked on his striking um, because he he. 
his success in his striking, like against Korean Zombie, was 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 the you know the the weird stuff, the spinning elbows, the the weird stuff. Is he working on a jab? Is he working on his two? Is he working on his check left? That's what I'm interested in with Brian Ortega in this fight because I don't think Volkanovski is going to shoot one takedown with the guillotine that Brian Ortega has. Uh, I think he keeps his distance. He works the leg kicks. He just kind of pieces Ortega in. I would like to see Ortega win this fight. I think the the division would get a lot more interesting if he does win, especially if he comes out and wins in in, in style and fashion, catches him or something weird, you know, chokes him out. Um, then you have a whole trio of what you could do with Max Holloway in that situation because I want to see Max get back to the title fight. But anyway, I think Volkanovski is going to win this fight. He's in my lineup, um, but I'm kind of rooting for Brian on the back end, honestly. Yeah, I mean um... – yeah, it, it, it's a – I like both of them, and I think I would enjoy both of them as champion, both of them in their career. You know, Brian Ortega is super young. He still has a bunch of time to develop, or at least, you know, seemingly so, right? I don't know his exact age, but he seems fresher and younger and has more time to develop. But he, he's a fun, interesting guy. Uh, he's cool in interviews, fun to watch. Alexander Volkanovsky is just a hilarious dude. Both these guys are cool. I'm just going to watch and enjoy. I don't know what money I'm going to put on this fight. Alexander Volkanovsky will probably be in my DraftKings lineup. $8,600 for a dude. He is the champion. He puts up points. He works in takedowns. He throws a ton of strikes. I think the more and more on the monkey knife fight line is probably pretty solid here, unless Volkanovsky comes out with a wrestling game plan, but I don't I don't think he will, right? Why would he? I don't. I don't think he would either. And but if he does, Ortega's submission is plus three fifty, which is interesting. That's I mean, Ortega is a very listen. At the end of the day, there's Damian Maya, and then a couple people, and then everybody else. Like, no. If no, you're getting no. taken all, down, I'm not going to hear about first Ryan. All, I can't wrestle. Oh, no, it's Mackenzie Dern at the very, very. That's the Francis Naganu of grappling. Then Ryan Hall. Then maybe Maya, and then uh, everyone else. Well, my point is. Throwing up submissions off your back is a very different game than taking people down and working from there. And Damian Maya knows that. That's why later in his career, he started to wrestle and did really well wrestling because he knew if this is where I want to be, I have to dictate how it gets there. Otherwise, I'm on my back eating elbow sandwiches looking for triangles. So if Volkanovski does a wrestle-heavy game plan, which I don't expect, he may be able to do well, honestly, because he'll be on top. But... I think Volkanovski wins. I think it's honestly a pretty straightforward win. But if Brian Ortega came out there, showed really clean striking, his obviously we know his jujitsu solid, then you know it would be surprising, but not like crazy shocking. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know where my money's going. If it goes anywhere, it's probably the more and more monkey knife fight. Uh, I'll do some DraftKings with Volkanovski, but I don't think I'm going to uh, have any have any bets here. Maybe the over on rounds. I'll check the round lines. What'd what do you think? What did you say on the strike line? I go more and more. That's what I said. The over. Yeah, yeah more and more. Okay. So either way, interesting fight. We on picks.com slash MKF for monkey knife fights. We on picks.com slash bets for our betting promos. All of them have free deposit matches. Thank you very much for watching. Let us know in the comments what your thoughts are. We're going to be doing a whole bunch more videos this week. We have a DraftKings lineup um, breakdown video. We have a monkey knife fight breakdown video, and we're going to do our full betting guide. And if any of these fights, depending on how the week goes, start to, you know, evolve, right? Weigh-ins change, things happen. Maybe we'll do another, uh, another breakdown of some of the closer ones. Either way, thanks for the watch. Like, subscribe, and we will see you tomorrow when I drop the rest of these videos.